0: This is Ozarks at Large. When Pastor Clinch Neckloth offers reading suggestions for us, he often brings in newer books dedicated to social justice, current events, or modern considerations. Sometimes, though, he reaches back for classics, from Isaac Asimov to Walt Whitman. Today, the classic and new intersect. And when I say classics, I mean classics. His latest book recommendations are new translations and meditations on the Gospels and the Tao Te Ching. We start with a new translation of the Gospels from Sarah Rudin.
1: Readers of the Gospels have known this for centuries that really, when the the Gospels came out, these four Gospels really represented the emergence of a a brand new genre. That's why we call them the Gospels. Mm. We don't call them like letters or nonfiction works or memoirs or, you know, biography of Jesus or whatever because they're something else. And so um, she kind of presents in the beginning of the book her arguments around why she focused on the Gospels in particular and, and why she wanted to do a new translation. Um, but what I love is, I, I mean, I have periodically read excellent translations of the whole New Testament, which is how a lot of times people approach it. Like David Bentley Hart came out with a translation of the whole New Testament a couple of right. years ago that was popular. But I love the focus just on the Gospels. Um
0: and by looking at this book, I mean, the Gospels themselves wouldn't fill all of those pages. Or would they?
1: Well, they they would. Well, okay, if you look, you can see her introductory stuff is maybe really only about, oh. I don't know what, an eighth mm-hmm. of the book. And then the um, Gospels go up here to about page 330. Oh, now, part of the reason that is is because she did periodically put in
0: notes like or- some
1: footnotes about different parts about why she translated it the way that she did. But it's also true that, like most of the time when you read a Bible, a Bible's been formatted with very small print, true. with columns and stuff like that. Right.: And this is formatted like you would read any nonfiction book. I see. So the Gospels are actually longer then you might think the shortest gospel, the Gospel of Mark, if you read the whole thing out loud, it would take about two hours. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a movie version of the Gospel of John where it's all out loud and it took about two and a half hours. Okay. So, yeah, I, I would say the four Gospels together are like reading a novel. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. A couple, just a couple things. I'm not going to go into incredible detail about her translation other than to say that... Um, one of the reasons I love Sarah Rudin is she's so sensitive to um, – she tips on the side of t- – toward the literal. So this is not like reading – oh, uh, like an example might be Eugene Peterson's The Message where it's a kind of a paraphrase version mm-hmm. of the Bible. This is much more of she wants to stay close to the original Greek as she can. But she's a, an amazing writer, so, therefore, it's not as clunky as some literal translations would be where you're like, oh, why is the word order opposite of normal English or Which something Which can be like off-putting that. to right. a casual reader. Right. Yeah. Um, but she does do one thing that pushes you to think the whole time that you're reading it that you are really reading um, an old, old book. And that is that she, does, she made the interesting decision not to translate place names and names into modern English. So instead of saying um, Judea, mm-hmm. she says Eodiah, which is a transliteration of the Greek, and or um, the people, a lot of the people that are named um, like John instead of John, it's Ioannis.
0: Are there footnotes that would help us
1: n- yeah, know this? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then at the beginning of the book, the she has the ones that she chose, the unfamiliar trans- tran- transliterations of important proper names in the Greek texts. Okay. And I found that actually to be at first kind of surprising as a decision. And then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, okay, I kind of see why you would do this because um, it introduces the right amount of distance.
0: In time. Yeah. That we are reading something That's millennia old.
1: Right. Without it being affected and inaccessible, which sometimes happens when, if you know, like, when have you been in in church, for example, and the pastor weighs in on, well, the real translation of dikaiosune is, and then goes into a long exposition of dikaiosune, which is like translated as like righteousness Mm. from the Greek. And at a certain point, you're just like, okay, fine. You know, like... Yeah, I I hear you. But whereas the names are just names, right? So you can you can adapt to that pretty easily. Also, it follows a format that's true, that's um, kind of tried and true in other translations from very foreign languages. For example, there's a lot of discussion whenever you read uh, translations of like the Russian novels about Mm -hmm. how they do the names. Because right. naming is so different in Russian than English, and so it it also kind of conforms to that general pattern.
0: Right, you'll find that in Icelandic crime novels as well.
1: Will you really? Yeah. Okay, I've seen that in Iceland, like the the sagas, mm-hmm. but I haven't read that many Icelandic crime novels. So
0: I've got a collection that I can loan you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So
1: yeah, a lot of markers, and every mm-hmm. last name has Dottir on the end, if or it's a,
0: something like yeah, that.
1: exactly. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other fun thing to know about Sarah Rudin that um, I just find fascinating and it contributes to how she does the translation is uh, she is a – she's truly a hardcore scholar, right? Like I mean she can translate out of um, Greek and Latin and she's um, – I think she's had like major fellowships like the Guggenheim Fellowship and stuff like that and she's at Yale Um, And then a researcher at multiple other universities. So she's got that scholarly acumen that that feels very kind of like secular and puts this text alongside other ancient texts. You know, like you put the gospels alongside, you know, the Aeneid as opposed to – it's a special book. On the other hand, she's a Quaker Mm. and and active within the Quaker tradition and – so she's not translating out of a completely uh, academic, secular. She's translating out of a, a marginal but really fascinating faith community. Right, right. And that contributes to how she approaches the text as well. And it's, it's just kind of really fun that way.
0: The Gospels as translated by Sarah Rudin. That
1: is relatively new? That's Yeah, it's brand new this year.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. And, and you have it, speaking of translations, paired with this other book.
1: Yeah. Okay, I don't know how to say this guy's last name. That's fine. I should have learned it before, but it's Mark S. I think it's Mullinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. And um, it is a new translation of the Tao Te Ching, Power for the Peaceful is the full title. So the Tao. Right. Now I'll confess, I don't know about you, but I haven't read closely very many of the other great world religious texts. Um, not because I was avoiding them, but just because I've just always been in this kind of like Western Christian milieu. Yes. Um, And even in seminary, when we were reading sacred texts, there's a pretty heavy duty focus on the Bible because that's what clergy end up having to like teach most of the time. And I've only accidentally... Been able to have some time, you know, like reading things like the Quran mm-hmm. or um, other great texts like that. So I haven't spent a lot of time reading the Dao, um, and and to a certain degree, I find some of those texts intimidating. Yes, they're out of a completely different culture.
0: Exactly. So how do you enter? How do you begin to understand?
1: Right. Yeah. And this would go for, like, any great religious tradition outside of the one that I've been raised in. So whether it's, like, Confucian texts or Sanskrit or... And then also, there's that whole issue of translation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, know, I only know enough to know that really the Quran is only the Quran when you're reading it in the Arabic within their own theological tradition.
0: Sure. Everything, every translation... Well, isn't really the Quran, right?
1: And that's to a certain degree maybe true within certain Hindu uh, traditions as well. And I don't always know, you know, fully. I'm not a multi-religious scholar, right? But this came out this year, and the guy uh, that translated it, has, interestingly, he's he's in Asheville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. teaches courses at Mars Hill University, which is like a Christian university. So he's been tre- teaching this text to, I'm assuming, uh, primarily uh, cr- Christian, Christian students, sure. but he teaches East Asian spiritual traditions and has especially set- sat with this text for, for years and then finally decided to do a translation of it. And um, one thing to know about a lot of those texts, especially the Eastern ones, and it, it t- it's taken me a long while to process this and really... Um, adopt in my own thinking and practice that this is true a lot of the eastern quote unquote religions are more like philosophy than mm. a religion per se okay right, like a guide to living um,
0: as opposed to this is a chronicle of events that well I don't know what I'm talking about
1: yeah right like a history of that faith's right. development or right. something or what I think probably a lot of people think, especially in the Christian West, maybe especially in our area, is uh, they think that uh, something like, say, Buddhism is a way of being saved in the way that Christians think that mm. Christianity is a way of being saved. But what if some religions are not, aren't even about being saved and exactly. they're about like, just how to live life or whatever, right? And if you think that way, then you realize there doesn't really have to be much inherent tension between those traditions and Christianity at all. Like I think on a lot of levels, it'd be, it's, uh, I know many people who are Buddhist Christian, for example, and don't see any mm-hmm. disconnect there. Um, so with the Tao, it's not a very long text, but the way that this author has done the translation is to, um, it's a, it's a little bit more like a kind of a devotional book. So you can see he'll do a page that's the, so the Tao is numbered. And so there's these different. Uh, they're they're like short chapters, right? So he translates that text, and then he lines it up on the other side with well-known quotes from. Uh, it could be.
0: Uh, well, I see. Just reading upside down, he's com- aligning one with Deuteronomy, but also one with Walt Whitman.
1: Walt Whitman, right? Um, and the Tao is very. Um, meditative in the sense that sometimes on a first read you're like what you know sometimes it'll state something that almost seems obvious Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just read one as an example Um, any track one can walk is no path for the eternal way any name one might borrow for Tao cannot summon it names are just sounds for ordinary things I like that Yeah. And so then he compares it to, for example, this quote of Heinrich Zimmer, the best things can't be told, the second best are misunderstood.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And that's what's cool about the Tao, seriously, is like I'm already thinking like, first I'm thinking, what did that even mean? And then the more that I think about it, I'm like, whoa. Whoa you know, and (laughs) (laughs) um, there's just a lot there and you can sit with any one of them for quite a while. And that's why I think the format choice by the author is so good. So rather than just a straight translation and act like it's a book, it's not, it's a, it's a a text for meditation. And then he offers some notes for for reflection from himself as the author, and then moves on to the next uh, chapter. So I, I had this on vacation and uh, was just taking like one chapter a day, right. you know, and just kind of meditating on it. And it's just been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. Let me ask, okay, so I'm not a
0: professional in in your business, but do you see any similarities between the Tao and Psalms?
1: Yes, that actually, all that whole wisdom area yeah. of the... Um I, I I guess if you wanted to compare it to what part what part of the Old Testament it's most like, I might say Ecclesiastes. Mm. Okay. Because there's mm. this kind of focus on detachment, um uh getting a sense of yourself within the whole that's appropriate.
0: Right. Right. Uh,
1: um pro- I mean and, and, and I guess Proverbs too, but Proverbs is a little bit too focused on being great <laughs>
0: on you know? being
1: great. Well, Proverbs gives you guidance on how to be a great like leader or
0: as opposed to self-improvement?
1: Well, or, or like or like Ecclesiastes is like you can't really be great. Everything's okay. just kind of, you know, it has a much more um uh, humbling? humbling or almost nihilist approach to oh, the word, okay. the world. Ecclesiastes does right. in particular. Right. Nihilist isn't quite the right word. There's more meaning there than, right. you know, but 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 you have a lot of lines in Ecclesiastes like everything is a weariness of the flesh. Right. Of right. the writing of many books, there is no end. You know, those kinds of... <laughs>
0: Right, right, <laughs> right, I see what you're saying.
1: And, uh, and the Tao is like that too. It's like kind of taking you through these exercises to um, move away from the ways in which desire like captures or captivates you and then causes, mm. uh, you know, pain because you haven't really released that.
0: Pastor Clinch Neckloth is the lead pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Fayetteville. Today he suggested the books "The Gospels," a new translation by Sarah Rudin and Tao Te Cheng, "Power for the Peaceful," a new translation by Mark S. Mullinax from Mars Hill University. This is Ozarks at large.